Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. On this episode, I'm talking to a pet photographer who's turned her expertise in that industry into an educational empire. I hope she doesn't mind me referring to it that way, but when you build up a Facebook group to 8,000 members, I think you're at empire status. (laughs) We discuss photography tips, productivity apps, business advice, and of course, we talked about her rescue dog. If you'd like to improve your pet photography, either for business or as a hobby, then this episode will be super helpful. Nicole Begley is a zoological animal trainer turned pet photographer and educator. She's the founder of Hair of the Dog, an online community in which she empowers pet photographers to turn their dreams into reality and helps them create successful and profitable businesses. She established Nicole Begley Photography in Pittsburgh in 2010, but now serves the market of Charlotte, North Carolina. She has also authored a book, Pet and Equine Photography for Everyone, which is available on Amazon. Nicole shares her home with her husband, two small humans, and her Puerto Rican rescue dog, Zoe. Oh, and she's also chief of staff to Emma the Cat. (laughs) She is the creator of the hashtag selfie dog series, a travel addict, and a chocolate martini connoisseur. Hey, Nicole. Hello. Hi, Tori. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being on. I'm so excited to discuss all the things that you do. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. It'll be fun. So, um, like full disclosure to everyone listening, Nicole and I actually recently partnered up to offer an online course to her audience of pet photographers about how to grow their Instagram accounts. I've been really lucky to be able to work with Nicole for the past, like, I don't know, we probably came up with the idea like six months ago. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then just kind of did it. So we've gotten to work together a lot, which has been really great. And I've discovered that Nicole just has like an amazing community and also like amazing systems to make her business run. So we're going to discuss all of that stuff today. Awesome. I love systems. (laughs) You do. And you're like really good at it. I'm envious. (laughs) How did you get started in pet photography? Yeah, of course. Um, I started out as a zoological animal trainer. Um, That was my first career for about 13 years after college. And I loved it. It was great. I worked with everything from free flight birds at the aviary in Pittsburgh to, you know, small primates and marine mammals and a whole bunch of like amazing dream animals that were all incredible. But I was ready for something that could be my own, something uh, entrepreneurship. um, But I wasn't sure exactly what that was going to be. And turned out that I, I always loved photography. And then I realized, oh, wait, I can have a photography business. And I started out doing families and pets because I, I really love the animals. But I was like, well, there's no way I can make a business of just pet photography. And this was a long, this was almost 10 years ago. Yeah, no, it turns out I could do, do pet photography. <laughs> so I did families and pets probably for my first, oh gosh, five years of my business. And then the past three or so, I've been pet exclusive, which has been really, really fun. Usually dogs and horses and an occasional cat. That's awesome. And so do you usually work with people who are around you or do you travel to other places to photograph their pets? Depends. Usually most of my client base is around me. So they're based in Pittsburgh for 
the time that I was there. And then I'll still serve that market like once a year when I come home and now um, looking for clients in Charlotte area. But I do have the opportunity sometimes to actually photograph dogs all over the world part of um, my teaching. So I host some workshops. They're the Barca workshops, um, petphotographyretreats.com. It's me and two other pet photographers. And we wanted to build this retreat that was literally our tagline is an out of this world pet photography retreat. So we photograph dogs in the South of France and Costa Rica and on the coast of Spain. And we're headed to New Zealand in the spring. So it's been, I have to pinch myself. <laughs> I think that's so awesome. That's actually something um, that caught my eye before I even met you. I saw that you did these like workshop retreat kind of things and I was like that is so cool because I love going to retreats and conferences and being around like my tribe uh and you know in the pet industry our tribe is like pretty niche (laughs) um and especially pet photographer that's even more niche um so it, it just sounds like really cool how many people usually go on these excursions and how long are they It's usually five days and we have two groups. We usually have, we've actually filled an alumni week for everyone. Our first one was two new groups, of course, because there weren't any alumni. And then all the ones since we've had a new, new group week and then an alumni week. So we kind of have a, um, a mastermind week. They're both five days. It's been just incredible. And we usually have anywhere between 11 and 15 people, just depending on the menu size. Yeah, that's so awesome. And and people like wherever you're, the retreat is, local people make their pets available to you guys to kind of like test shoot. Yeah, uh huh, absolutely. And Instagram's actually been super helpful to find some of these models sometimes with the locations and um, you know with like local hashtags to try to get in on the dog community because sometimes it's really hard, especially when there's a language barrier <laughs> to yeah. um, find some dog models. Sometimes is pet photography like pet photography is huge. Um, in the United States, I feel like, or at least in the circles that I'm a part of. <laughs> it's growing. It's growing quickly. So the the non-dog people actually are starting to realize it's a thing. <laughs> right. So yeah. what is it like in the south of France? Like, do the Frenchies just think that we're totally nuts? Or do people get their pets photographed there as much as well? I don't think it's much yet. It is definitely starting to catch on. I have a couple students in France and they're, they're doing great and they're, they're growing their markets out there. So it's Australia, it's pretty mainstream. The UK, it's pretty mainstream. The United States, obviously. Um, all the other countries are, it's growing quickly. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it's growing everywhere. It's pretty fun. I, I just have a suggestion I want to throw out there. You should do yeah. something like in the Alps because there are so many dog accounts that I follow in the Alps uh-huh. and their photos are just <laughs> remarkable. So is a house this person that owned the house we had in south of france actually owns a chateau like right along the swiss french border right there in the alps that looks ridiculous and we're like oh i think we need to go there i think you need to (laughs) there's so many places oh my gosh the list is so long i could just like make that my full-time job (laughs) yeah those are some of my favorite dog accounts to follow though are the ones that live in the alps like they're just incredible just not even real i know I know. Maybe I'll just buy like a poster (laughs) and put that behind Lucy and Bert. (laughs) I love it. Um, So, well, I'm sure everyone who's listening, you know, they're interested, I hope, in starting something business related in pet photography. But for us civilians, do you have any tips on getting a good pet photo? 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, the first thing I think is definitely light. You want to make sure that you have some decent light and you don't necessarily want full sun because especially if you have a black dog, you're going to get some really deep shadows. It's going to be really, really hard to um, get any detail on that fur, especially if you're just like out snapping with your phone. So um, definitely having some nice, even lighting, some shade. You want the dog's face towards the kind of open sky, towards the light. You can always think people, dogs, whatever you're photographing, if you put their nose towards the light, you're going to get really beautiful images. And just be careful of that really harsh. You know, when you have a really hard shadow, that's hard light. When you have a soft light shadow, like all the time in Pittsburgh, just about. <laughs> it could be just about there anywhere. There is a perk to living where it's overcast. Yeah. It is, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely lighting. And then I think the other one is um, composition. So especially pets, people are so used to seeing dogs from like, you know, the five and a half to six foot level. And I think you make a really engaging image if you get down on their level, just putting your phone down on the floor and getting that picture of their little face from down below or even like from the floor and looking up if they're standing. And then they seem like this big, amazing animal that rules the world of course they rule our world but we want to show that in our in our photos as well and then the third tip for that is getting their attention so you know you can always tell and sometimes sometimes it's funny to have the, like the silly dirt face but you know mm -hmm. if you those ears up and just like a little bit of a head tilt um and of course it gets harder easier slash harder with your own dog because you kind of know what words trigger them but depending how often you do it they're like um yeah i know your game and this is not i'm not interested they in might be kind of over it <laughs> yeah exactly so it's always trying to find new things well i love your suggestion for composition and and creating new angles and it just makes me think of your selfie dog series yeah. so if no one has if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it you have to go to nicole's Instagram account, which is Nicole Begley Photography, and look for her selfie dogs because it really looks like the dogs are taking selfies. So how do you do that? Or is, it, is that an industry secret? Do you have to kill me if you tell me? Uh, no, no, I, I can share. I can okay. share. Some of them actually were caught in camera like that. So I need a dog usually with a, a pretty good paw behavior. And then, but most of them, to get that really great expression and their paw to the side, it's usually some Photoshop magic of two different oh, images. Oh, wow. <laughs> Tricks of the trade. Mm, yep, yep. I can create my own reality sometimes. <laughs> I am so amazed at the before and afters that some pet photographers post. Like, it's amazing yeah. what people can do. Do you think that you have to know Photoshop in order to be a pet photographer? Well... Yes and no. If you're taking pictures of like your own dog and it's just a hobby and it's fun, you don't have to know Photoshop. If you're doing this for clients, I think you have to know Photoshop, at least for the basic things like removing leashes, because I love mm. to shoot in the city, but you know, we want safety of these dogs to be the number one priority. And sometimes even the most well-behaved dog, maybe, I mean, Zoe, my dog, for instance, has a lot of sight hound and terrier in her. I mean, I can't trust her at all off leash because if she sees a squirrel, she is gone and she is never going to listen to me until she's done chasing it. You know, certain dogs just have to be on leash. So you'll want to remove that distraction, you know, but yeah, if you're just doing it of your own dogs, it's not critical. Uh, and you know, and how much Photoshop you want to do really, it just depends on what you're trying to do. Sometimes I find Photoshop and, um, like really going deep with an image is like really kind of therapeutic yeah. kind of just sit here and go off into the zone. 
you know, very creative with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you do every day because, well, I need more hours in the day. (laughs) It is time consuming, (laughs) but it is fun every once in a while. So you obviously know so much about pet photography and, and running your own business. How did you decide to start teaching people? Cause that's, I, I think that's a big part of your business is the education yep. portion. So how did you decide to start doing that? Well, I've always loved teaching people. Back in my zoo days, I always worked with a lot of the other trainers, teaching them how to work with their animals or teaching new staff members how to train the animals. I loved I loved training people how to train, really just working with people in any capacity and helping them. Um yeah, and I actually thought about it. I'm like, well, maybe my job after I leave this, my next career entrepreneur would be a dog trainer, which then I discovered, though, I don't think I can handle that because uh, all you dog trainers out there, my hat's off to you because working with the dog, yes, I'll do that all day. But working with the people that want me to magically fix their dog and then not actually do the homework, I think that would make me crazy because I realized the difference is all the people that I was working with in the zoo world and all my pet photography students, they want to learn. So they're like, yes, they're just eating it up and it's so fun and it's so rewarding. So yeah, I've always just enjoyed, enjoyed doing that. So it was kind of a natural offshoot um, of my photography business. Yeah. And so, you know, we touched on the retreats and stuff, so that's part, part of it, but you do online courses. I do. And, and you do like an amazing job at it. You have tons of people in your community who take these courses and, um, you know, you know, how, how do you figure out what you're going to put into that? And do you recommend other people like look into doing online courses? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my kind of bread and butter course, my big flagship course is my business and pet photography course. I love business. I love systems. Um, I love the art of photography too, but I really love helping people with the business side and pricing and numbers. Nerd alert. I almost decided maybe I should be a CPA because I like numbers. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. I wasn't quite ready to go that far down that rabbit hole. Anyway, I love helping people with that. And as creatives, as photographers, a lot of creatives are like, oh, business numbers, oh, head and sand. I, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so yeah, so that's been really, really just rewarding and fun to be doing that. Again, I have a ton of information on hairofthedogblog.com, you know, from the art craft to the business. And it's, um, it's a really great place. And we have an awesome big uh, Facebook community as well. Right. I love that you teach people the, the creative, like the photography, the art of it, but then also the business side, because I, I think there's so many courses that do like one or the other, um, or just so right. many people right. who specialize in one or the other. Yeah, for sure. Sorry to interrupt the interview, but I would love to see what you're doing while you catch up with the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast player or snap a selfie with your earbuds in. Bonus points if it's on a dog walk and share it to your Instagram stories tagging me at tmystic. I'll keep an eye out for mentions and I would love to give you a shout out from my own account. Okay, now back to the episode. Are there any um, apps or programs or sites that you use to kind of make all of this happen? (laughs) to yeah, make your life yeah. easier? Uh-huh. Well, I um, I host my courses on Kajabi. Um, I love them. They've been adding so many different things over the past couple of years. But my my two can't live without apps are Trello and Todoist. Like I literally would be lost with either one of them. I have so many Trello boards. It's literally where I keep 
everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> every project, every brain dump, everything lives in Trello. And then um, Todoist I use for like my monthly reminders and quarterly taxes and for my client workflows. So when I have a photography client after they've placed their order and I have to do all the production of their images and the ordering, that all goes into Todoist things so I can keep track of those deadlines. I, I love both of those programs. Oh, very cool. But Todoist is like different enough than Trello that you like having both? I do. I yeah. do. I could probably, I think because the Todoist, like Trello is very project centric. So uh-huh. it's like I can compartmentalize and be like, here's my board for this. Here's my board for that. Where Todoist has separate lists, but it's all very much like a list, which I, I love lists. <laughs> so that helps me just to look at like the big picture of like, Oh, boom, 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 boom. Where then I want to dive into a specific project. I jump into Trello. Yeah. Very cool. I have to, I've never heard of Todoist. So yeah, it's awesome. And it's really pro- great. You create my favorite part is you can create templates. So basically I have the same workflow from every client after, um, after we meet and, right. and finalize the order. And so I just upload that template into their new list and then it populates the due date. So like in two days, it gives me two days and I have to get, make sure they have a copy of their invoice and a thank you note. And then in seven days, I want to make sure they have their web files and I've finalized their order and, you know, so it, just keeps me on track. Very cool. I have to check that out because I was kind of using Trello for that because for my like blog posts and sponsored yep. Instagram posts and podcast episodes and everything, I have so many workflows for all that stuff, but I find myself not really using it as much in Trello. So maybe I need to switch it over to, to do yeah, this. Check it out. Check yeah. It out. Pretty cool. So, so when, as you're teaching people to start their own pet photography business, yep. do you have like a few pieces of advice for someone who wants to pursue that, that you recommend they consider before they dive in? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Number one, I think the key is to decide what you want to do with it. Do you want to make this a business or do you really just love the art of it? And there's no right or wrong answer there. I mean, you can go ahead first and make it a business, or you can just be like a really enthusiastic hobbyist and just, you know, and still be just as technically correct and, and, um, to artistic and all of those things, you just have to make a decision. I think if you want to get paid for it or not, because that's kind of a, a, a fork in the road that you need to decide which way you want to go down. Because I'm a big believer that you either need to do one or the other. If you're going to be a business, you need to set up your business correctly. Mm-hmm. You need to set up your business to be profitable. You need to figure out what your pricing needs to be to be able to be profitable and then marketing and all those things. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. And, you know, and there's a lot of people that do it part-time very successfully. Maybe they don't want to do pet photography full-time, but they want to have a great little part-time business that still provides financially for vacations and extras and things like that. And so, yeah, so you just have to kind of make a decision on where you want to go. And then uh, I think it's important to, to get help to get there because there's so many different pieces that all need to work together. One of the things I teach is there's basically three pillars of um, a pet photography business. So there's the build it, which is like how you actually build your business. So your website, the legal stuff, your client experience, your workflow, your processes, your systems, all that stuff. And then you have the billet section, which is, oh, okay, pricing and sales. How are we going to price everything and how are we going to sell our work? 
And then um, the book it, which is, well, we need clients. <laughs> so that's the marketing piece. And if any one of those three pieces is out of whack, it's going to be really, really hard to either, if you're not marketing, to find clients. If you're not priced appropriately to ever have a profit. If you're not, if you haven't built your business on decent systems, then you're just going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off, you know, being like, why am I doing this? This is not fun. <laughs> so I think it's important to make sure you're focusing on all three of those pieces. Right. In your course, do you help people figure out how to set their pricing? Yeah. Oh yeah. We have a whole module on pricing. Yeah. Because that's something that comes up, you know, I've, I would consider myself a dog mom blogger as kind of like my main <laughs> job title, even though I do a lot of things. Right. But in the dog blogging world and just blogging in general, I think so many people are just like unsure of how to charge. And there's really not a lot of standardization. It's very right. like the Wild West. And, you know, you can find people who charge 10 grand for a blog post and people that will do yeah. it for 50 bucks. Yeah. So yeah. it's like such a huge range. That's wonderful that you kind of show people how to calculate it and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Because photography is like that too. I mean, it's, it's crazy the amount of, of variation out there. And often the people that are undercharging don't even realize they're undercharging because they haven't yet gone through a full year of business and they don't understand the cost that you actually have, right. um, you know, from the taxes and insurance and your gear and, the time they, they always forget to calculate time. They're like, Oh, well this print costs me $2. So if I sell it for 10, I'm making a huge profit, but they don't take into account that like my client experience from start to finish takes 10 hours of my time. So yeah. I need to make sure I'm paid for 10 hours of work time. <laughs> yeah. You have to definitely pay attention yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, there's so much involved. It's so much more than just showing up and taking a couple of photos. Right. Through all of your education communities and things like that, you have amassed 8,000 people in your Facebook group, which is huge. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That Facebook group started basically on a whim a long time ago, really at the beginning when Facebook groups were just being created. It was just a way I was like, I'm not getting any engagement on this page. Well, let me create a group so we can just all kind of talk amongst each other. It was kind of a happy accident and it's like a really great community now. And, and I love it. And even for having 8,000 people, it's still one of the most supportive, friendly communities on the internet, which is just really, really great. And I'm honestly not exactly sure how I was able to keep that culture as it grew so much, but I'm so glad that it has, that it's just really been a joy. So since, since it kind of came together as a happy accident. Yeah. Since then, have you developed, because I know you like systems and strategies, do you have like any kind of strategy for how to manage that or, or what kind of things you post in there? No, no, that's not a story. My, my social media was not systematized at all. <laughs> my other part, This is my, not the answer I was expecting. My workflow, all of those were like systems. But yeah, my social media stuff was like, by the seat of my pants. And the group was the same way. I have gotten a little bit better of trying to figure out. And, and I did for a while, like Mondays is this day, Tuesday is this mm-hmm. day. But I think people then got sick of kind of like, like the same thing every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it was like, it was marketing Monday, but, and I always had a different tip. It was like, I don't know that I think they like changing and left a little. So it helps me I have a Trello board <laughs> with a lot of things, a lot of ideas 
and all my content ideas for the blog and all that stuff in there. And then I have a couple other things that I can do periodically that, you know, I'll post this here and there. So it's still a little bit by the seat of my pants, but I really just make it of a, a try to every day, Monday through Friday, at least to post something in the group, even if it's resharing old content, because there's so many new people that haven't seen that old content from before. Right. So, and it's really just taking, setting the timer for like 15 minutes and engaging in there because I can't get time sucked all day, but I do try to get in there for a few minutes and, you know, and just, just help just help people. That's a really great tip to kind of set the timer. I, I do that on Instagram too, is I'll give myself 20 minutes and go yeah. and comment on as many things as possible and reply to stories and all that kind of stuff. Because if I didn't set a timer, it would be like four hours later. <laughs> right, right. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I do that in Facebook too. This is one of my hacks for you guys out there because, you know, you open up that main newsfeed in Facebook and all of a sudden 20 minutes earlier, you're like, well, I came in here for something important that I actually had to do. So I have this other little um, software. It's called Text Expander. It's fantastic. Basically, it's little text shortcuts that like um, semicolon, uh, and then you set it up. So I said semicolon HODFB, which is Hair of the Dog Facebook, and then the URL pops up. So I can go open my Chrome browser and just go semicolon HODFB and hit return, and it takes me directly into my group. So I don't get sidetracked by all the other superfluous stuff on Facebook. (laughs) I love that. Well, just to tack onto that, I got this Chrome, I think it's called an extension when it's like an app on Chrome. Um, And it's called the News Feed Eradicator. And so when I log into Facebook and I look at my news feed, there's an inspirational quote Uh and no other posts. So I have to navigate to a page or a group or something like that or an event or whatever in order to engage on Facebook. I don't have a news feed on my computer. It's not that way on my phone. So on my phone, I do get stuck in the scroll. (laughs) But on my computer, when I'm like in work mode, I don't have any news feed, which is awesome. That's fantastic. What was that called again? It's the news feed eradicator. Ooh, which sounds feed. very like technical. <laughs> love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. What do we have to do to like <laughs> keep ourselves off of the off of the dopamine of Facebook. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Oh. Well, we only have a couple minutes left, so we cannot finish this conversation without talking about Zoe. Um, oh, of course. We need to hear like how did you guys meet? <laughs> what is she like? <laughs> Oh, she's crazy, but we love her. She is a Sato. She's Puerto Rican. We um, rescued her from a rescue that brings them up through New York. We wanted to get, you know, ready to adopt, and we were looking around the local shelters in Pittsburgh, and I wanted something small. I wanted something under 50 pounds, ideally more under 40. And then all the small dogs that were coming through were so fearful. And I had two little kids at the time, and even if they, you know, I could teach them how to, to act around a fearful dog. I was like, they have friends that come over. It's loud and obnoxious. I'm like, this is not the right house for a fearful dog. So we found her and her litter mates were, they were six months old or she was six months old when I adopted her. She was hand raised from like two weeks because they, a firefighter in Puerto Rico found her and her siblings in a bucket of water 
So only like half of them made it and they were hand raised and like the sweetest things ever. Um, So she thinks she's a human. (laughs) She will sit like right here in your face and like put her nose right here. She doesn't lick, but she just like literally puts her face right next to your face. Totally invades your personal space all day long. Um, But yeah, she's the sweetest thing. She's a little reactive to other dogs only because she was attacked on leash like when she was like a year and a half. So that put us behind that eight ball a little bit. But um. Yeah, no, we still love her. <laughs> yeah, and you get awesome pictures of her, and yeah, and you get to work from home most of the time and hang out yeah. with Zoe. Yeah. She does have it's funny. She has her model face, <laughs> which I call it because like when I'm at home with her, I see all these other faces. But then like when we go to photograph, she's like, oh, I stand here and I look really good, <laughs> but like I can't get her to make other other faces. It's pretty hysterical. I'm like, I inadvertently trained you to have like the perfect model face all the time. (laughs) But like, I want to capture your actual funniness. (laughs) I know. I want to capture like more expressions on my dogs, but it's the same thing. Like when I get the camera out and I tell them to like, sit somewhere do, like they instantly kind of like freeze up and lucy yeah, sort of gives like, like okay, resting bitch face <laughs> wait for this camera and just gonna take my pictures well and here comes somebody at the door so the dogs are gonna knock or she's gonna bark here in a second oh, that's okay <laughs> there it is now Zoe. people know that we're legit dog moms yes oh. <laughs> well thank you so much tori she's like oh i must bark at the people they are here they're outside they're my door us I know. Be careful. Everybody now. <laughs> Take cover. <laughs> All right, Nicole. Well, this seems like a good time to um, end the interview. <laughs> so yes. remind yeah. everyone where they can find you and your courses and all of your wonderful things. Absolutely. Everything is at hairofthedogblog.com. You can find me on Instagram at the same handle, hairofthedogblog. Same thing on Facebook. And there'll be a link on that Facebook page to join the group if you're interested in learning more about pet photography or the business of pet photography. And um, yeah, we'd love to see you guys there. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Tori. Thank you for listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes at wearwagrepeat.com. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.